Hello, camera operating nurse. Wow. Hi, I'm Rob Paulson, and you may know me better as Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. And, hey, God, you're watching Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Nerf! We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you can be so easily! It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. Can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Welcome to yet another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. The only podcast to guarantee that it's a waste of electrons. We guarantee that because it is. And, if you're lucky, you get to hear stuff. This week, it's episode 487. That means that there have been 486 to this point. And tonight, you're going to hear something that I find quite fascinating. Because tonight, you're going to hear a fairy tale that's going to downright make you quake in your boots. That will assume two things, that you're wearing boots and that you know how to quake. But that's okay. That's another thing. Um, It's another quarantine night here in the U.S. of A., but quarantine days are becoming few and far between. And we're not technically going to be in the U.S.A. tonight, but that's another thing that we'll discuss as we go along. Uh, And we're not technically in social distancing mode tonight here in Area 51. So we've let uh, Commander Cam out of his Lucite cage, and he's free to wander around Area 51. Commander, how are you tonight? I'm sorry. I was just enjoying all these wires here that go here. No, no, no. Don't do not play with the wires. It's bad enough that you nibble them when we let you out of your cage. But they look so tasty. You know, all those pretty colors. Those are not those are not licorice ropes. Those are actual wires. You're not supposed to nibble nibble them. Okay, I'd be that way. But otherwise, yes, I'm doing well. How are you doing today, though? Oh, not bad for an old man with no hair. But what can I tell you? Looking forward to conventions. Uh, uh, Conventions are actually coming back, which I I find freaking amazing, actually. Uh, (laughs) Um, Yeah. Up in the northeast quadrant here of the United States. uh, Granite Con is coming up fairly soon. I know. I'm looking forward to that one. That's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we see a lot of people gonna, we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, we've we've got to get uh, Chris uh, uh, from uh, Double Midnight back on the show fairly soon to right. talk about Granite Con. See what we can do. Well, yeah. So, Chris, if you're listening, uh, you've got to stop ignoring. Uh, when Commander Cam emails you <laughs> and see if we can get you on the show fairly soon, because that's got to that's got to be interesting. Uh, gosh, a convention in, in New England. It's been almost two years. Mm-hmm. 
that that will be freaking amazing. Uh, that, I know. That, I gosh, I, I'm almost at a loss for words, but that would be something for me, wouldn't it? That that would truly be the shocking thing is you at a loss for words, don't? I know. Uh, well, it could happen. Uh, about a year ago, um, we we had this wonderful young lady uh, live on tape from Australia uh, to talk about a, her first novel called Fate's Fury. Uh, her name was Liz Butcher. Oddly enough, her name is still Liz Butcher. So we figured we'd have her on again because even though Fate's Fury was a really creepy, cool novel, she has outdone herself in terms of creepiness. And and I want to talk to her about ruining a really cool fairy <laughs> tale yeah. for me. Uh, so welcome back live from Australia on tape yet again. Liz Butcher. Liz, welcome back to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. It is our pleasure when somebody can actually just freak the ever-loving hell out of me. Uh, and you've done it. Uh, the name of the book is called Never Never. Is it out yet or it's just out or what's the deal? Uh, yeah, it came out uh, end of April. Okay. Uh, and the book chronicles wendy darling so if the name wendy darling sounds remotely familiar to you wendy darling is um one of the characters in the peter pan saga and the book is titled never never so if Wendy Darling is the main character in the book, Never Never, we're revisiting in one form or another the Pan Saga again. <clears throat> but from a very, very different perspective. So let's talk a little bit about <clears throat> Detective Wendy Darling. Because we're yeah. looking at a whole new Wendy Darling now. Can you talk to us just a little bit about who Wendy Darling is. Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, she is a detective and she's uh, sort of haunted by the trauma of an abduction that she, that happened to her when she was 15 uh, by this entity that she rec- can only recall as the name of, of Pan. Um, and she struggles with that because obviously being a detective, she's all about facts and, and evidence. So the fact that she can't recall them as being sort of human really sort of something that she struggles with um but then um a local girl uh, vanishes from her room in the middle of the night um very much like she herself had uh and so she's determined to work the case uh and yeah it's wendy darling (laughs) (laughs) so you've taken what was this this classic children's fairy tale and kind of turned it on its side to some degree to mm-hmm. to a uh, very large degree into a what starts out as a, a detective who done it and then gets very dark very quickly yes <laughs> <laughs> and 
uh, nice job. Uh, it's uh, first of all, it's hard to talk about this book without throwing out a whole bunch of spoilers right away. And we're not going to do that. I, I guarantee you we're not going to do this. But this is. We don't know who Pan is. But it is not the cutesy little Peter Pan that we saw in the Disney movie. Let's just get that out of the way right off the bat. Pan is this malevolent creature that we don't really know who or what he is, but we know a lot of everything we thought we knew about him from before is now wrong. Very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you've 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 set us straight on that course right off the bat. I don't know if Dome did. I don't know if she, you know, because when I think of it, and we had this discussion before we went on the air. We've been arguing about to, this for a couple of days. Thank you very yes, much. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And it's been so much fun uh, because I don't think you have to twist it too far. The original movie to think about, you know, this little boy, this boy who goes uh, goes to these kids house and says, here, let's leave your parents' house and come to a wonderful place where you never have to grow up and you never have to leave and not not see the creepy side of that. It's like, holy, I mean, that, that's yeah. that's borderline serial killer, a serial abductor. It is. I mean, what, when you think of it like that, I mean, how is that not creepy? You know, children just being, you know, lured out of their bedrooms in the middle of the night, never to be seen again, potentially. Like, that's every parent's worst nightmare. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, but for those of us, <laughs> for those of us who are slightly older, who who want to maintain that sense of innocence, you just shut the hell up, I think. <laughs> I loved the, the Disney cartoon when I was a child, and I've loved the movie renditions over the years, but, um, yeah, I just needed to just do a different version <laughs> do you know how hard it was for me to read this and not have that music from the disney animated feature running through my head through the entire book oh my <laughs> god it just made it, it it was just the most horrifying dichotomy through the whole thing and That's then perfect. when the second abduction takes place for me not to hear that as she's locked in this room and I'm going, no, you can't do this. You cannot do this. It just made it all the more terrifying for me. Thank you very much, Liz. <laughs> and I mean, that's that's what that's what makes it work for me. That's what makes it a, a terrific piece of wonderfully weirdness is that you're sitting there and you're stuck in it and you're stuck watching Wendy work through this and you're stuck wondering what in the hell is going on and you're working through it as Wendy's working through it, as Wendy's family is working through it, as Wendy's daughter is working through it as Wendy's lover is working through it and by creating 
this world the way you've done it, you've put together this wonderfully weird world <laughs> that just eats at you as you're reading it in such a a, a wickedly odd way in in a way that uh as as cam and i were reading i said to cam has anybody ever done it anybody ever attacked this story this way before and because i'd never i'd never seen it happen and my answer to dome is yes i saw something slightly similar it tried to make hook heroic you know the the character of captain hook heroic Mm -hmm. You know, it did that and it didn't really turn Peter into the into the pan of your story, but it tried to make Hook more heroic of a character. And uh, and that's the closest I've ever read to anyone warping it like this, which I mean, I know to me and like we just said, you know, I mean, I look at those and I did enjoy the Peter Pan movie when I was a kid. But now that I'm an adult, I look at it and I see, oh, my God, that's creepy. But. What was it in you that saw this story, saw this movie and just triggered this idea that I'm just going to take it this way? You know, what what was that moment where you just realized, yes, Pan is going to, you know, abduct children, you know, in the middle of the night? Where I guess the question I'm asking is because I know where it came from for me if I were to write it. But where did this come from from you? What was the. What was that moment that you 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 decided to go this direction? Yeah, it was really um, strange because I got invited to um, compose a short story for an anthology that um, that was Twisted Fairy Tales, and so I was sitting there, I was like, okay, well, what were my favorite fairy tales when I was a child? And I mean, my first point, of course, always Alice in Wonderland, but I'm like retellings of Alice done to death um what sort of something else that I really enjoyed that I could twist and so then I was thinking Peter Pan and again like I said before just the the concept of children being lured out of their bedrooms um is you know easily a horrifying thought um and then sort of the more I thought about it I I was just kind of like if you're gonna if you're gonna do this you can't retell it from the original it's going to be completely different and so it made sense to me to kind of do it in the here and now when, you know, Wendy's an adult and have sort of the original Peter Pan as the prelude to this part of Peter Pan, essentially. Um, uh, so and it kind of just, yes, domino effect from there. <laughs> and one of the cool things, I mean, other than the fact that, you know, you did kind of take it and move it from, because everything I've ever remembered about the original story, which, you know, I've only vaguely read, and the the Disney movie was all of it was set in London, and you've moved it to your native Australia, um, and that was really cool. I liked that that little bit of a change. But you also, yeah. oh sorry, there you go. <laughs> oh no, you first, you first. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that um, I've throughout the book there's little nods towards uh, sort of the original and the original author and the setting um, of the UK. So I guess anyone that um knows the story the original well might pick up on that but yeah there's definite nods to sort of the original throughout even though it is set in Australia I did notice one nod 
and that is the name of Wendy's lover. Is that, it, it, am I guessing right that that's a nod to the original story? It is, yes. Ah, okay, good, 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 good. I, I picked up on that one. But <laughs> there, I love some of the characters you bring in that, to the best of my knowledge, are not canon to Peter Pan. Like, um, you know, it, uh, Detective Roberts, who's uh, who's Wendy's partner, or <laughs> becomes Wendy's partner, you know, in the course of this book, you know, working on this case with her. And you, you, you create almost this buddy cop movie right on top of this, and you, you layer that right in. And I just, I love some of these characters. Um, <laughs> I guess it's the interesting part is, you know, I'm trying to think where I want to go with this here. Because every time I think of what I want to say, I'm going, and that would be a spoiler, Cameron. And that would be a spoiler. <laughs> and I'm going, because there's so much cool stuff in this story that I just want people to read it and experience. Because there was moments in this story where I thought I knew where you were going. Like, you know, I looked at, detec- at Detective Roberts and I'm going, hmm. And then you just went, ha ha, you're wrong, Cameron. And I went, damn, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. <laughs> But well, yeah, you, you you do such a great job of, you know, twisting us around on this and then adding new pieces of information like the fact, you know, that when we're dealing with uh, I was trying to think here. So uh, I think I'm not giving away any spoilers here by mentioning you know, the, the extended darling family, which is you. Have yeah, John that's where I thought Michael. you were going to go next. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going to go, because I think that's pretty spoiler free. You have John yeah. and you have you have and, and you have Michael who hmm. in this tell your telling of the story don't actually get kidnapped. Um, and I think that's an interesting change. I think it's a good change because it makes what happens to Wendy a, a little bit more interesting. Plus, you know, it, it tells a little bit more about them. And you've also um, transformed Nana from a St. Bernard into a human being, which was which was appreciated. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a bit of a brainer. <laughs> that was what? So that was a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah, because it was going to make it kind of hard to, you know, work with a dog over all those years. Um, yeah. So, you know, how did you make the decision not to, you know, you know, have Michael and John, you know, get kidnapped? Unless if there's some major spoilers in there. But I just, because it, it, it was to me, it, it strike me, you know, if I were to try to write this myself, which is why I don't write books, I do a podcast where I talk to writers, um, <laughs> is that I I would I would have tried <laughs> I would have tried to also, you know, have the two of them kidnapped as well. So, you know, what was your decision, you know, not to include them in the whole kidnapping without giving away some spoilers that I know are buried in there? Sorry. Yeah, uh, I guess I thought the impact would be stronger just centering it purely on on Wendy rather than it being um, a shared experience and even just the logistics of it, Um, just the reality of of three children being abducted instead of just one, just one makes more sense uh, as far as that's concerned. But um, also without giving any spoils away, it kind of had to be just Wendy for, I guess, the backstory to work. Yeah. Again, it's hard to really say much without giving away anything, but um, I don't think the back the backstory would have had the same impact uh, if it, in, if it affected all three children the same. I think it, it, it was much stronger for having just Wendy at the centre of it. 
No, and I would agree with that 100 percent. It's it makes for you know, it, it definitely does make it, you know, more impactful for everything that uh, happens with Wendy. Yeah. So you, you laid in this really interesting backstory that uh, that you just kind of hinted at. That goes back generations as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that also gives the opportunity to give the reader a chance to give you the opportunity to identify what Pan might actually be. Mm-hmm. And yes. that was always a, that that was a question uh, where Never Never Land is, what Pan might actually be, uh, what the captain and Smee actually are, uh, where this place exists. Um, and it's nebulous enough so that you allow the reader to begin to form some conclusions and you throw enough spaghetti at the wall <laughs> <laughs> to where there's enough hints. Yes. You did that purposely, didn't you, you meanie? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I you know did. how many I... arguments Cam and I had about this? Uh, (laughs) and it was purposeful wasn't it it was i didn't mean you guys to fight but yes it was purposeful oh oh oh, trust me we we enjoy our arguments believe me we could we could go back we were we were almost late in bringing you into the the, the, this call just because we were sitting there going back and forth on this point and that point and you know and i had to correct dome on a few points here and there you know yeah because there was there was one huge mistake that that i misread something and it was because you state something got stated by one of the act one of the one of the protagonists mm-hmm. that profoundly annoyed the hell out of me. And I said, <laughs> how could that have happened? How could how could that person have said that? And we both stopped dead and then I got corrected. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued to know what, what you're referring to now. It's probably something about a spoiler, so you probably can't mention it. it. It's unfortunately it's an spoiler. It's yeah, it's an absolute spoiler for this story. So yeah, yeah. We, 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 I know this is the this is the problem I keep running into is like there's so many things I want to ask you about what this this world you've created and you really have. This is this isn't just, you know, I mean, this isn't just, you know, that you've you've taken the Peter Pan mythos that we know and turned it on its ear. You've created a world, uh, very much so a rich world that there's a a definite fantasy world right behind the scenes fantasy i put that in quotes um but right behind the scenes that you know whether it's magic whether it's high science who knows 
And, and to be honest, bless your heart, you don't tell us. And that, you don't that quite give us of, enough. Is, <laughs> yeah, you don't give us a kind of enough. You give us enough so that Dome and I can argue for like 15, 20 minutes over what we think is really going on here. But you do give us enough to, you know, to hook us. But you've created this world. And we now there's almost a part of me that much like, you know, Fate's Fury. I want to see a sequel. I'm not sure if, you know, there really needs to be a sequel, but I want to see a sequel out of this. You know, <laughs> and I, is there is there a potential for a sequel for either one of those great books? I've been asked a lot about both, so maybe I should um, contemplate that. We'll see. Um, but as far as, I guess, the just dropping of hints and alluding to things, uh, that was all done intentionally because, for me, that's the, the entire theme of the book and Wendy's journey. And it starts off very early when she's having sort of recollections and memories starting to come back. The, her whole... Um, struggle with her trauma is that she can't call what's real and what's not because what's real shouldn't be real and so she's got this continual struggle about whether she can trust her own mind and her own memory to be telling her the right Which thing or whether it's just like that and so that's that's why the book is written like that so that I guess the reader feels that I guess torment that she does like what is real and what's not and not being able to trust her own senses or logic so yeah that's why it's like that (laughs) there's that scene in the hospital that i don't even want to talk about because there's a potential spoiler where she's taken back into uh uh pan uh grasp that that i don't really want to talk about because Um, but you do bring up an interesting point, and this is where I was kind of going with this, and so, and this kind of brings me right back around. The characters you create in the background are very much like okay, the the other little girl, the one that brings Wendy on that the case Wendy is, is absolutely needs to be on Rosalie, and she yes, is Rob. the daughter. Pardon, Rosalie. Yeah, Rosalie. Oh, okay, I just want to make sure I pronounce that. Okay, yeah. and. When who is the Lord Mayor's daughter? And when you meet the Lord Mayor and his wife and the other child and all these characters, you start to feel some depth. Even the even at the very beginning, when you know Wendy is talking to her boss and her boss, I loved her boss, and he just you know, it just all felt really good. And and even the psychiatrist that 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 she has to go see because the her boss is worried. Well, you've just lost, you know, a, a family member. Are you really sure you want to come back on the case? And Wendy's going, no, I can, I can handle the, this case, you know, the Rosalie case. And he makes her go to a, a, a psychiatrist. And I'm, so I'm listening to that psychiatrist talk to Wendy. I'm going, this feels like the kinds of conversations a psychiatrist would have. And I'm just going, this feels very real and I just I love it. It just it 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 really just, you know, it hit me because, you know, you could you could throw a psychiatrist character in and just, you know, just, you know, half hour set, you know, and and, you know, there it would be. But this one felt, you know, very real, even though I can't remember her name to save my life right now. No, that's that's good. I mean, that's that's the whole point, isn't it? Just yep. Have a oh, yeah. Realistic. 
Oh, yeah. No, that's the whole point is that you want these characters because sometimes, you know, some background characters can be throwaway. But I can't really think of too many background characters that were, you know, you know, that just were, you know, thrown to one side. And this is part of what I love about this. That's why I said it's, it feels like a complete world that I've stepped into and I'm following her through. Plus, I'm a big fan of mysteries. I mean, I'm a huge I think I've said this enough time on the show. I'm an Agatha Christie fan. I love uh, Poirot and Miss Marple and just, you know, and uh, all the other. Uh, and then there were none is one of my favorite novels of the mystery genre. And there is such a wonderful mystery in here. And as I said to Dome, at one point, the partners get separated. So Detective Roberts and Detective Darling, as Doctor, as, <laughs> as Detective Roberts loves to call her, Wendy. Quite you know. <laughs> oh, yes, quite annoying. But you, 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 you like... You, 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 like I said, this is a very much a buddy cop film because you know you've got these two characters that, by the end, they are very much, you know, they have bonded over this whole experience by the end of this this film. Yeah, exactly. And you end up with two these two detectives separated at a later point in the book, where they can't communicate with one another. They've been separated. Wendy's without her phone. Um, so they're they're unable to communicate. And yet you watch them and you, you and you wrote it this way, literally from one one section to the next of them running this this whole investigation in parallel. And I just loved how, you know, Wendy's doing it on her side. And Wendy certainly has more knowledge of, you know, the let's call it supernatural side of what's going on. But you have Roberts who you know, he's seeing stuff that's very hard to put in place, but he's still trying to solve it in a very logical detective-like way. And I yeah. just loved how he moved forward with that. You just, you did a really good job. And I just, I, I, from someone who loves detective novels, I just found that two detectives moving in parallel and coming up with this, or filling in gaps right alongside each other. So me as the reader, I'm getting more information than either one of them is getting on their own. Yeah. That's right. So it's like the yeah. reader is almost like featured the whole story that the detectives aren't yet. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, a bit of a bonus for the reader to make up for me ruining everything else. <laughs> <laughs> in, in fact, having, having a second book of, of the buddy cops would, would be wonderful. Ah, well... You haven't finished reading the book yet, so you might change your mind. <laughs> yeah, because Dome didn't finish that. So for those listening, Dome didn't finish reading the book. But also, first off, because it creeped him out. And second of all, so he wouldn't have to, have to fight with the spoilers like I am. He's a wise man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but I still agree with Dome, knowing what I do about how it ended. I still think you could turn this into a very interesting buddy, but I'm going to put this in quotes, buddy cop novel, the next, the next episode. Yeah, potentially. I mean, like I said, I have had interest in there being a sequel and I wouldn't want to do a sequel just for the sake of doing a sequel. It'd have to be um, the right story. And I can see how it could sort of move on. Um, But if I was to do it, I wanted to make sure I could do it justice and not just, yeah half answer as we said so i i completely agree with you 100 percent because like i said you do leave you know there there are some dangling threads by the end of this story quite a few actually and 
And maybe when we're off the air, I'll ask you questions on those dangling threads so that I don't <laughs> spoil anything. But the, yeah, I, I'm fine with the way it ended. You know, it's, 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 if this is what you wrote and then you move on to writing something else, it's amazing. I'm perfectly fine. But I just see that there's so many, so many questions that I'd love to have answers to. I may not need to have answers to, but I would love to have answers to. So I'll leave it right there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So what's next for you? Uh, so at the moment I'm working on um, plotting out my next novel, which is going to be sort of a, a dark fantasy horror um, called Sunrise. And then I'm also planning out my first series, uh, which is a new challenge for me. Um, and that's going to be sort of a, a paranormal sort of thriller series as well. So um, neither of them are quite at the writing stage yet, but lots of uh, planning and plotting. Well, the good news is there's always something happening in yeah. Australia. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> and we can always count on something new and, and innovative and slightly creepy whenever <laughs> we call on you. And, and, I, and I can't wait to hear what the next new thing is. Liz, thank you so much for coming by and thank you so much for opening up that mind of yours and and uh, talking to us tonight about your new book and the book is never never it's available on amazon right now i would suggest this is a book well worth reading well worth sitting down uh don't read it when there's a lightning storm uh don't read it uh late at night with a flickering candle uh but definitely read it it's it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Well, thanks for having me. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce. We have, we love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. That's me, I'm Yakko. Hello, nurse. <laughs>